Hope was a real shy, quiet kid, and um, I'm trying to think, it was Gwen. Gwen Mo at the time was one of our staff, and she walked by and she goes, oh, hey, I like your shoes. And it's funny because then now Hope still, so she's went to college, she's back with us, now doing online classes, is still one of our staff. She talks about, she goes, I like your shoes. That was like the pivotal statement in her life that suddenly she's like, oh, people here care about me. And she started to step out and started getting engaged. Um, it's so much. Hey, what's happening, guys? This is a podcast dedicated to inform and inspire you through local knowledge. Each episode will be updating you on local events, the real estate market, but most importantly, we'll be interviewing business owners, entrepreneurs, nonprofit people, anyone in Coeur really doing big things or building great things. We want to give them a platform to share their journey in their business, but also gain some insights and tactical info that may help others in the community like yourself. Thanks so much for joining us. This is the Living CDA Show. Okay, what's going on, everybody? It's episode four of the Living CDA Show. How's it going, Lexi? It's going great. How are you, Connor? Good, good. February is coming coming to a close here pretty soon, and so before we jump into uh, this episode's interview, I wanted to go over a couple events that are happening um, in the Coeur area coming up. Uh, one of the things that you should circle your calendar for at the beginning of March, uh, March 14th. If you're into St. Patty's Day, Coeur d'Alene does it pretty well. We have March 14th is the St. Patty's Day Parade, and then the big party at the resort called the Corda Irish Party. I've been to it before. It's pretty pretty fun. New Jack City will be playing. Um, people are just out and about having a good time. So that's hosted by the Coeur d'Alene Rotary tickets to get into the resort portion and party of it are uh, forty dollars our general admission you get food um i think it's just pretty much open seating but there's there's a couple other options if you go on their facebook event uh Corda irish uh you can get vip tickets a bunch of other stuff it looks like um sounds like fun yeah cool. Host, hosted by the rotary so that's always a good time i went last year and i highly recommend it very so. cool. So the event that I uh, wanted to mention is the State of the District 2020. And it's put on by the Coeur Education Partnership, which is near and dear to my heart because I was a board member for five years. I think I've been to every single State of the District, maybe not the very first one, but this is, I think, the eighth annual. So and basically, State of the District, like school district. The school district, yeah. So basically, you can go and hear from... Um, the superintendent and other community members about what's happening with the growth in our community, the seniors. Um, last year, we started a really cool award called the Speak Award, and they're going to be giving that out to three very deserving students. It was absolutely awesome event last year. It's held cool. at the Innovative Innovation Collective, and it will be, I think it's on March 3rd. I'm sorry, Wednesday, March 4th, 5.30 to 7.30. March 4th. March 4th. Got it. I can't say for sure, but I know there was wine last year. So. <laughs> awesome. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, how's the market been looking for you? I know this past week has been awesome in terms of weather. Yes. The sun's been out. That, I feel like that always brings the buyers out. Yeah. The weather starts to change from snowy and cold to a little bit of sun, and they come out of the woodwork. Yeah. And that's how it's been this past week. How about for you? 
Yeah, same. I've been working with some buyers. We've been in a couple multiple offer bid mm-hmm. situations, which, you know, is just another yeah, indicative of low inventory. But again, with, with the nice weather, I think people are just trying to get get on their horse and look for houses to buy, and there's just not a lot out there. So a I lot of competition. I have seen a little more inventory. I feel like there's been an uptick in inventory as people start to get out of the winter fog and ready to list their house, but I think the buyers are still outpacing them. So even though we've got more houses, there's just still more buyers. I've had two multiple offer situations this past week. Yeah. With not just two offers, like five offers. Yeah, and I guess that brings up a point, you know, in terms of work, when we work with clients, if you are a buyer right now, and you're out there searching, be prepared, especially if you're under the $400,000 price point, be prepared to run up against competition. So my advice would be, you know, have everything ready to go, your pre-approvals, make sure your offers are as clean as possible um, because not, you know, the highest price point doesn't always win out um, Mm -hmm. when you're up against multiples, but, you know, make sure you're, you're actually pre-approved and you're not just, you know, firing from the hip looking at <laughs> looking at properties and trying mm-hmm. to put in an offer cuz you're not going to win in a lot of those instances. Right. Totally. So, yep, a pretty similar theme from the last couple episodes. Um if I you're looking it's going to be that way for a while. Yeah. If you're <laughs> if you're looking to list or waiting for a couple months, you might want to jump on it now cuz there's a lot of buyers out there. So, Okay, well, before we jump into the, our uh, interview for episode four here, um, it was just a was a good time. Um, it was a the, great talk. The yeah. exec, executive director of the Boys and Girls Club, he's been doing it for 13 years. Uh, Ryan Davis came in. He has an awesome story about starting pretty much a program, nonprofit here in town from scratch and just to a point now where it's it's serving, you know, thousands of students and families every day and it's pretty crazy the cost of the boys and girls club to attend for the school year is only twenty dollars for the whole school year and there's a lot of you know a lot of effort and work put into making that possible and he kind of shares that journey so enjoy all right guys well welcome to the show i'm super pumped to have uh, someone here, our our guest today. He is the executive director of the Boys and Girls Club of Kootenai County, Mr. Ryan Davis. Thank you for having me. It is my privilege. Yes. How about about this weather, man? I'll tell you. So here's the deal. Last Sunday, we went and did a hike, and as we were driving over to Liberty Lake, I see, what is that, the executive, what are uh, that course over there? Uh, Meadowood? Not Meadowood. No, it's like Trailhead. I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. small one? Yep. There's people out there playing, and I almost turned around and said, babe, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I know I know you're a golfer, so I was going to ask you if, you if you knew if the links was open or Prairie Falls. I, I, I may or may not occasionally play in a golf league out at Scarlet, and there may have been rumors that, yeah, that links was That's close. Good. Gotcha. So, yeah. Cool. We're getting close, but then it'll just, you know, pound us with snow here in a right, couple weeks and just bring us back to back to earth there's dumping snow last year on this day was it you had like a memory on facebook cool well ryan how about you know for the five people in town who don't know who you are oh please (laughs) why don't you give a little background of who you are what you do where you're from all that good stuff um who is ryan davis no Um, (laughs) so yeah i uh i've uh, my wife and i and two kids um 
just kind of a, a quick backstory. Uh, we were living, uh, and I was working with boys and girls clubs actually in Nampa, Idaho, so in southern Idaho, and I uh, had the opportunity to move up here. And so interviewed. I was a number two at that boys and girls club, and this was brand new, had not started yet. And so we, uh, we said, hey, this is a cool opportunity. I came up, I interviewed. Ended up getting offered the position, and so I took my wife and kids to a restaurant that night, and, uh, and, and as sensitive as I can be, I'm like, guys, we're moving to Coeur d'Alene. <laughs> um, but it just so happened my wife has two sisters that live up here that were already up here, so it was an easy transition for us. Um, and so that was a little over 13 years ago that we moved up here. So my wife is the president of the Post Falls Chamber of Commerce, so she's yeah. involved in the community heavily. I've got a 21-year-old daughter who is a senior in literally months will be graduating from the University of wow. Idaho. Go awesome. Vandals. Yes. Very so cool. film and marketing major. So she's now going Vancouver, Toronto, New York, L.A. She wants to go to the city. Big city girl. Huh? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've got a 19-year-old son who was involved with NIC that is actually uh, working on uh, as a technician with Mike White Ford. So cool. We're massively engaged in the community, and like I said, 13 years, and uh, and really just kind of dug in here and made roots, and uh, and just love it. Yeah. So you weren't from Coeur area, you? No, I actually grew up in Craigmont, Idaho, which is between Grangeville and Liston on the mighty Camas Prairie. Wow. So it's about uh, <laughs> three hours from here. Um, so always kind of considered myself a North Idaho uh, guy. Grew up on a farm. Graduated with 17 kids in my high school class. Wow. That wasn't a homeschool group. That was an actual yeah. high school. Um, and so my wife makes fun of me because I hope I you was, made the starting basketball. I, yeah, starting it five. Was football, basketball, and track. And I was a student body president. And my <laughs> wife reminds me, she's like, hold on just a second. There was like 100 kids in your junior high and high school combined. But that doesn't Not matter. Not that much yep. no. That's okay. But it was interesting because um, you'll appreciate this because uh, being from the farm, I moved down and went to LCSE and met a Luston girl. And mm -hmm. so to me, the Luston girl, she was, you know, she was a city girl. <laughs> and so we're actually just getting ready to uh, celebrate in May our 25th wedding anniversary. So got it. You know, so so Jamie's from Lewiston. Jamie's a, yep, she's As from is Lewiston. Nicole, my yep. wife. Yep. And, yep. and uh, very cool. Yeah. And so you know, it was not too hard convincing her because she had sisters up here. Right. And you knew the Coeur d'Alene area, I'm sure, had you been up here and visited. And so you yeah. knew what it was about. And yeah, we had spent time up here. And it was interesting because um, one of my first uh, one of my first times up here kind of looking at it from a, a Boys and Girls Club standpoint, um, my, uh, my sister-in-law, Deanne, who works in NIC, she had put together all these promotional packages and real estate magazines and all those things. And, you know, we're like, hold on, you're getting ahead of yourself here. Yeah. Um, and one of the first places we went, it was like an after hours thing. And so I got to meet uh, Clay Larkin. Uh, he was still the mayor in Post Falls, Ron Nelson. So some of these guys, literally, uh, before I even moved up here, I got I get to meet and it was like, wow, uh, there's some there's some really cool people up here. So we were excited to get up here and uh, and had a pretty good understanding of where where we were headed that's that's cool cool so you yeah prior to getting up here you were in the boys and girls club working as a number two so you'd been like out of college is it did you start working there? yeah actually in college i got recruited um it was interesting because i got recruited by one of my mentors and he said hey have you ever thought about working with kids i was working at a place in liston called benedict's athletic center and it was a it was a sporting goods shop 
and it was hard to make any money because 100% of my paychecks went back into shoes <laughs> and, you know, uh, the Charlotte Hornet park, uh, you know, whatever I could find that was the sports related. Oh, yeah, the Hornets. That's 90s? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 90s. Yeah, that would have been about 93. So, yeah, oh, it, was, yeah. it was a big deal. Um, but anyway, from that, I went up and interviewed and got hired and worked uh, at the Boys and Girls Club in Luston. So Boys and Girls Club in Lewis Clark Valley. And I was there about two weeks as their uh, their computer uh, tech person. So I was in the computer labs doing homework programs. Basically what that means is that every day after school, kids would come in and we would play Oregon Trail on the old Apple <laughs> oh, computers. Oh, I love that game. So that's what we did. Classic, yeah. Yeah, Classic. exactly. So, you know, if you were either making it or you are dying of dysentery. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> but then from there, about two weeks into it, got into the teen programs, ended up working my way over about three years uh, to be their uh, teen coordinator, their director. And so got my first full-time job with the clubs. And then about a year after getting married, this was 96, got asked to move to Sedona, Arizona, which if oh, wow. anybody's ever been there, it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Strange, but beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Very new agey, and I mean, yeah, the little hiking little stuff was, was on. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of interesting. It was like Richard Dreyfus, Ted Danson, you know, they had homes there that they would frequent, yep. and then there would be people selling potato candles and stuff on the side of the road. <laughs> Um, nice mix. Yeah, yeah, it was it was interesting. Potato candles. Yeah, so we stayed there for a couple years, um, and then got back uh, to Idaho. We ended up living in Boise, and so we were in Boise for about ten years, and spent seven years. We were working with youth in another capacity, and did some outside sales. Uh, it was interesting. My wife was the inside sales coordinator. I was the outside sales coordinator for a Cartridge World. Uh, one of our friends started so he had a number one two and like three or four uh volume stores in the nation so did some sales wow and then got back to boys and girls club gotcha so then you got the phone call i mean were you seeking the seeking it out or did did they recruit you no it was to come up to coeur it was one of those things that they had thrown it out nationally so whenever an executive director leaves they throw it out nationally and people have the opportunity to apply and so um i applied through boys and girls clubs of america came up and interviewed, um, mm-hmm. actually interviewed right down the street in the D.A. Davidson building. Oh, gotcha. Um, and so I went through the interview process there and, you know, walked away going, hey, I gave it everything that I could. We'll see what happens. I had never been a director before. And then uh, it was about a week to 10 days later, I got the phone call. So, you know, it's that initial first, this is going to be my club kind of a thing yep. so it was exciting and nerve-wracking and I wanted to laugh, cry, and throw up all of it. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Uh, that brings me to like when you once you get up here you move the family up here mm-hmm. you know it's your first time going out you know doing this thing on your own board hires you mm-hmm. right and then you have what to work with at that point yep that's pretty much um we had a board of directors <laughs> yeah in in essence when i had came up um the board of directors uh had had, had a pretty solid plan at that time they had a huge facility that they wanted to build in post falls and so they had started the capital campaign um, to build the facility. Um, there were a few people that had uh, jumped in. I believe that um, Tom Johnson and Dick Bennett were probably the two major individuals that had hopped in at the time. So when I came up, it was basically, you're our first staff, let's, let's get things rolling. So it was one of those things we kind of started working with the capital campaign, but at the same time, I went to the board and said, you know, hey, I think we need to showcase what a Boys and Girls Club's about mm-hmm. um, before we you know, we really pushed the building itself. 
Right, because I mean, there's you know, people know the name because it's a national brand, right. but locally, probably there was a lot of people who didn't know exactly what it was or what the Boys and Girls Club did. And for, I guess for anyone listening or watching, can you just do a high yeah. level of what you guys do? In a nutshell, nobody knew what it was, and that was the first three years of my executive directorship up here was basically getting out and doing PR work. You know, Boys and Girls Club isn't a babysitting service. It's not a daycare. In a nutshell, I always say we are a youth development agency. So we're our goal is to enable all young people, and, and the mission statement says especially those that need us the most, but in this day and age, if both mom and dad are working, kids need to be somewhere after school. If they're in a tough family situation, they need to be somewhere safe. So it's really hard to put those that need us the most, but that's what we're trying to do is develop, you know, caring, responsible citizens, kids that um, understand the community is there for them, but also teach them how to give back. So we are a youth development agency in all aspects, in the sense of, um, you know, physical activity, homework assistance, science and technology, arts, all of those things, social recreation, teaching kids how to win, but also teaching kids how to lose, because hopefully, not everybody listening, watching will shut me down, but we do live in it. Everybody gets a trophy and a medal. Yes. And a ribbon. Mm -hmm. I feel very strongly about that as well. Good. Yes. Yeah. So. And so we, we do have to, we, you know, in many things, we have a games room in all of our clubs, pool tables, ping pong tables, and there's competition. And sometimes kids lose and we'll see complete and total meltdowns, but it's like, okay, what did you do wrong? Mm -hmm. um, how can you recover from this? Maybe you need to practice more. Um, I think learning how to lose with dignity and being able to dust yourself off is a lost art. So yeah, we teach that. So yeah, so that's kind of what, what Boys and Girls Club is. And, and so it was my job to kind of come up and, and be the cheerleader uh, in the community to say, hey, this is what we're trying to do. This is unique. It's different from, from anything else. There's some great stuff that's going on in the community. Still amazing things, but we're, we have kind of a unique niche in, in the kids that we serve. So. That's what I did. Gotcha. Yeah, and so before, you know, the club is what is now. It's grown immensely, and then you know, since the time you've been there. Um, but before that, I mean, I'm trying to think of because that was kind of when I was growing up in town. It's like I wonder there wasn't really. I mean, you had School Plus, which still is right. still an option. Yep. But outside of that, I was just I'm curious of what kids, what options kids had when both parents were working till five, six after school. Probably not pretty limited at that point. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a situation, at least at the point that we came up, uh, the Croc Center hadn't been established yet, right. Boys and Girls Club wasn't around. So, you know, there were a lot of, you know, School Plus, uh, the GAP program in Post Falls, different uh, fee-based programs that were available. But, you know, it was also a little bit of a different time in the sense of uh, things, I hate to say that they're not as safe as they used to be, but things right. are different than they used to be. And so the idea of kids going home. Just go walk home and yeah. stay by yourself. That's what yeah. I did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every day. And you know, it's, it's interesting. Now you look at it in the sense of, you know, a kid can go home at, you know, the age of eight or nine and have access to not only their house, but to the entire world on that mm -hmm. little computer or that little tablet. And, and, you know, I have, you know, I, I have a, a big affinity for uh, social media and the power that it can create. But in the same sense, working with youth, there are times that I'm like, man, if, if yeah. social media didn't exist, um, at least from a kid's standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, definitely have to keep an eye on it for yeah. sure. So like boots on the ground, what does that look like? How do you build, you know, both understanding in the community and I mean, you're trying to raise money, right? So you've got to get donors, but you also have to get buy-in from the community for 
you know, the kids that are going to come? How do, where do you start? So how does somebody start that, I guess? That's kind of how it all came together is that we're out we're talking about, you know, this is what we want to do. We want to build this facility. I had, you know, been at two different Boys and Girls Clubs previously, so talking about my experience and sharing some of the, the stories of, you know, the successes. I always tell the story, sidetrack just a hair, but I always tell the story. There was a young kid named Daniel uh, from uh, Arizona, so at the Sedona Boys and Girls Club. Him and his friends were huge skateboarders. We built like a quarter pipe in the back of the club. Um, that's when insurance wasn't as important. Um, <laughs> but we built a quarter pipe in the back, and this kid, they would come every day after school. There's about six of them, and they would skateboard. They would, before hair dye was super popular, they would get cans of like uh, the silver uh, Krylon and spray paint their heads. Oh, nice. And they complain about headaches and not understand. <laughs> I wonder how that happened. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah it was a, it's a bygone time. But um, they, those kids that you're like, I'm glad that you're at the club. You're mm -hmm. somewhere around, you know, caring adults, volunteers, and staff. Mm -hmm. um, and it was like, man, I just I hope the kid succeeds. I hope he does well. And so I moved away. We were living in Boise, an apartment at the time, and got this random phone call out of the blue. And he's like, hey, this is Daniel. I got a full uh, academic scholarship to Arizona State. Would you write me a letter of recommendation? And this was years later. It's like, oh, how did this kid even remember me? So those kind of stories sharing in the community is that it's a, it's a big impact that lasts forever. It's powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then from there, we kind of looked at going, okay, we need to be able to really uh, not just tell the stories, but showcase what we, uh, what we do. So we actually... Um, with uh, the amazing uh, principal that was at Lakes Middle School for many, yeah. many years. I think you know him. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Uh, Hammonds. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we actually had a conversation with Chris and said we need to do something. We ran a small, small summer program. I want to say it was the summer of 2007. Okay. Um, we ran a real, it was like 10 to 4, and there was like 60 kids involved. We ran a program there. And then from there, we had the uh, pastor at Post Falls Church of the Nazarene that said, hey, we have a basement, and I don't think our building is ever used enough. Why don't you guys come until the building's built and just take a couple years and start to run some programs? So we did, and it lasted about six years because the economy tanked. <laughs> 2008. Yeah. So he didn't, re he didn't realize how long we were going to stay. But really, that's kind of the boots on ground was like, okay, we need to start running programs and start to impact kids now, not mm -hmm. to try to wait Let's get the economy better, and then we'll build a building. It was like, we need to move now, mm -hmm. and kids are more important than facilities. So that was always kind of the focus. Yeah, it's kind of like, don't wait till it's perfect. And same in business, too. You just go after it and Absolutely. do it. You know, and it's never going to be perfect, but you had the chance to impact some kids. Even if it was like, you know, 20, 60 kids, yeah. at least you were impacting those kids. That's yeah. pretty cool. I mean... The facility was interesting. You would come in upstairs and do a paper sign in. Now they have membership cards and it's magnetic locked doors and everything. Back then it was like you would sign in, go down these really steep stairs to the bottom uh, in the basement. We had a little teen center and games room assemblies were, you know, we grew to have a hundred plus kids down there and assemblies were kind of in a little cafeteria area and everybody was crammed in. But it's, again, it's one of those things that we need to make it work. Uh, we hired the right staff. And made it work we look back on it now and we're like wow that's that's crazy but i think anytime you go through business and through those seasons of growth yeah. you look back and go just bootstrapping mm -hmm. it and Absolutely. trial and error and yeah. see what works yeah and then ob obviously a big part of growing and being able to serve more kids is fundraising yep because you needed that facility so you were doing the capital campaign for the post falls facility right yep and you not being from coeur d'alene was it how was it getting kind of into the network of people and asking for donations. I mean, 
I feel like a lot of times, and same thing in real estate, when you get in, you have a little bit of a leg up, like myself, because I'm mm -hmm. from here, I have a network, people know, you know, my parents, but if you're coming into a, you know, area, not knowing, not having a big sphere of influence, right. um, you know, how was that? The, the absolute best thing that I had going uh, for me was my board of directors. Um, we had some absolutely amazing, uh, amazing individuals that did not, I mean, not a shy bone in their body in the sense of they would bring me. So, I mean, I was going to literally everything that I could. I was speaking in front of every Kiwanis, every Rotary. Uh, the eagles, the elks, the moose, the whatever other groups. I mean, any time yeah. that I could get in front of people, board members would bring me in and I would go and talk to them and, and in essence, talk about the power of the Boys and Girls Club. So the board members were critical in getting in those relationships. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, as nervous as I as I was, not putting forth any kind of an insecurity of like, oh, geez, I just, I, I'm like, you know what? I got to meet this head on. And so following up with them, I think, you know, is, is, is that if a board member or a mentor or someone in business, if they give you a relationship, there's a great deal of trust that comes with that. And so it was my job to walk it through to make sure they're like, okay, I trust this guy. Now mm -hmm. I'm going to give him another relationship. And really, it just kind of snowballed from there. And yep. there were some other nonprofits in the town, too, that it's weird because working in, in nonprofit world and other communities, it gets really territorial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, fundraising is always territorial, but I was amazed at the number of people that said, hey, you need to meet this person with the press. They'll, they'll take care of you. Um, it was a pretty, a pretty tight-knit group, and, and they brought me in really, really quick. So, That's so awesome. you talked about the economy tanking, which obviously affected a lot, but did you have any other major setbacks? Like, was it, were you know, there any times where you're like, this isn't going to work? No, I don't think there was ever a time that we looked and were like, this isn't going to work. I think that there were a lot of times that we were adjusting on the fly um, in the sense of, you know, we we had looked at the Croc Center was coming on board and um, the library had just finished and we had looked at it going, okay, this is great. The community stepped them, helped them. We'll wait. Once they're done, then we'll go through and, uh, and finish our campaign. And that was about the time that everything kind of fell apart. Mm. So we went into, in essence, went into a holding, uh, kind of a holding pattern and focused on running programs. So it's like, okay, we're just going to run programs a little longer than we had anticipated mm -hmm. out of the Nazarene church. And so we finally got to a point in about 2011 and we said, Hey, you know, things are looking up. We've got some good people let's build what we can afford rather than waiting to try to create this Taj Mahal, let's build what we can afford. So the board uh, went into a pretty intense meeting and we looked at um, our balance sheets, we saw what we had, we saw the pledges that we had. And so in essence, the Post Falls Club was built a little bit smaller than it originally looked at. Just because of that, we're like, you know what? Our donors trust us with the investment and we don't wanna wait this out another few years. Let's go with what we have. So we went and met with them and then we built that facility um, and so that facility is a little bit smaller, a little different design than we originally looked at. Matter of fact, we were open about less than a year. We had to add another thousand square feet to it um, that was already planned um, on the teen side because the teen programs were blowing up. So I think there was a lot of, hey, let's do this, perfect. And as we get down the road, we're like, okay, that's not necessarily exactly how it's going to look and, and be able to devi uh, deviate. And I think that was the biggest thing with the board members that I had is that, you know, we um, we kind of went through 2008, 9, 10, 
and came out the other side going, okay, every, everybody's good, all your limbs, okay, <laughs> wow, okay, well, let's build we're, this building. We're alive. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, survived it, let's yeah. And I think the investors appreciated the fact that we didn't try to do too much with too little and overextend ourselves. Both of our sites that are built, the Coeur d'Alene and the Post Falls site, we moved into those facilities without servicing any capital debt whatsoever. So the community paid those buildings off that we moved into them. So we always try to be really fiscally responsible. And I think because of that, um, the community was like, okay, well, we trust them. We'll continue to stay engaged. So awesome. How many kids can you have in Post Falls? Um, well, it, I'm just going to check real I'm it, just gonna uh, it, vary, it, uh, it varies depending on the programs because um, our, our facility in the summertime, we can have upwards of 300 kids in the facility, um, but we utilize kind of a campus mentality. So the alternative high school directly across the street in the summertime, we'll use their gym or their uh, cafeteria mm -hmm. for programs. We use outside space. Um, so there is an opportunity to be able to grow that by in the summertime using it. When this time of the year rolls around, things can get pretty tight and so mm -hmm. we really have to kind of limit that and the reality is is that we've we've talked we have the ability to expand um, by a few thousand square feet increase our uh, our bathrooms our kitchen and some things in post falls so there's always that discussion of we, we might need to expand this because post falls is growing like man mm -hmm. we want to continue to be able to do that but uh, it really depends on the time of year Mm -hmm. Summertime, we can blow things out. We can have kids all over the place, mm -hmm. but when winter and the snow hits and the rain. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. And then even bathrooms growing, too. I mean, this whole area. Oh, absolutely. And the need continues to grow for the kids, too. So I may or may not be engaged or chair planning and zoning in the city of Post Falls. There so I, I, I get to see <laughs> you know, what's coming yes, down. Yes, you know what's happening yeah, out there. It's, it's huge. And, you know, we're trying to be responsible with building that and... Uh, yeah, it's just lots going on. So Post Falls Club's open. Mm -hmm. There's an obvious need to do something in Coeur d'Alene. Yep. You know, I think that that was a huge game changer, too, being able to run that capital campaign. And can you talk a little bit about how you were able to, I know, get get in with a, a big known donor in the area, but more just like, you know, develop that club and really kick it off for Coeur d'Alene? Because that's huge. Well, it's interesting. I you know, until we're sitting here talking, I didn't necessarily really think about it, but there, when it came to kind of the launch and the growth, um, the two critical people were obviously Chris Hammond's dad. Yep. Um, Jim Gray was the other one because when we started looking at Coeur d'Alene, we said, we want to be based on what we're looking at. The east side of Coeur d'Alene is where the biggest need is. Mm -hmm. And so, um, Sorensen, uh, Mr. Gray was at Swanson. He said, hey, he said, let's look at a shared space partnership. Um, and so we came together, had some investors that helped us, and we did a five-year program out of Sorensen. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so we ran programs out of Sorensen and, uh, and, you know, shared space, it always has its challenges. But that really kind of got us in the community. Mm -hmm. And then uh, while that was going on, we were, we were, you know, getting ready to do a campaign. We had looked at Cherry Hill. Yep. Um, on a floodplain, we had looked at Person Field. The people that live around Person Field didn't want the club there. Um, and so we were going, gosh, we, we want to be over here, but we don't know for sure what's going to be the best fit. And so the Coeur d'Alene School District came to us and said, hey, we don't have a second gymnasium in, in Lakes Middle School. Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever thought about trying to do something there? Because if you remember that dirt, mm -hmm. grab, beat up parking lot. Mm -hmm. We're like, oh my gosh, we never thought of that. So we put a whole lot of work in really, really quick to look at that. 
um, and had uh, a, a good friend of the club, um, H2A architect, Dick Colburn, who actually grew up in the Liston Club. I gave him a box of about 20,000 square feet from uh, a club back east somewhere, and I said, this kind of has all the rooms that we want. He stretched it and molded it to fit into a pretty narrow piece, mm -hmm. um, and that was kind of, okay, we think we can make this fit, we can make this happen, and so we had some board members um, that went and had the conversation with, with Mr. Hagedon and said, hey, this is, this is what we're looking to do, and... Uh, you know, he stepped up in such a way. <laughs> I'll never forget that board meeting. That board meeting was amazing because the board had no idea. And, and Ron Nelson had come to me. It was uh, Pat Whalen, Ron Nelson, Randy uh, Oaks. And they said, hey, we got some really good news. Let's, we're going to have this board meeting. And, and Dwayne Alola actually came into the meeting and shared the news. And the board members yeah. were just like, what? Yeah, yeah, crazy. So they stepped up in a huge way yeah and then the community match too right so that was and see that's what that's what i think is so amazing uh, about the club about mr Hagedon, about just every the whole process it was kind of one of those things of hey we believe in you guys they came mm -hmm. out and toured the post falls club they said we want to be involved but we want it to be a community thing um, because you know they just it wasn't just a, a blank check do whatever you need to do they basically said, you know, we're going to put up uh, the money if you guys, you know, go to the community and match it. And it was literally, I want to say days, but it was more like weeks. Wow. And it was, it was, it was complete. Um, the community just, I mean, it was amazing to watch them step up to the plate. Um, and then Dwayne Alola kind of came in and sealed everything up and we started construction. And so that was probably one of the most interesting, you know, when behind the scenes, there's all the chaos and the craziness and everything out front looks like it's great but the week that we opened that boys and girls club so the one at lakes middle school the lowland Dwayne Hagedon center we opened that up um we did the ribbon cutting on a friday in mm. september the very following night we did our major auction i remember that that was behind the scenes like <laughs> that we had i can't remember if it was channel four channel six came in and uh and did a remote so i was in a suit at like four o'clock in the morning at the club and i think i got out of said suit at about 11 30 that night, the night after went the to the dry oh, cleaner it was like time to go <laughs> but uh yeah i mean those are the things that you look back on and it's like wow that was really that was crazy but it was a lot of fun too so that's kind of what spearheaded so in september of 2016 um we opened up right when school started we opened the club up in quarter lane so yeah. crazy how many kids do you serve then pretty um, much we're, daily? We're over 3,000. We, uh, we're kind of constantly in that thirty-five to 3,700 kids yearly, annually. Okay. On a daily basis during the school year, we'll have 250 kids in, uh, in Coeur d'Alene. We'll have you know 200 kids at the Post Falls Club, and then that ratchets up almost by 100 uh, every single day uh, when we hit summertime. So we have 10 weeks to where we have you know, between 625, 700 kids every single day in the summertime that are getting services in one capacity That's or another and can you tell the listeners or people watching how much it costs for a someone to attend so which was what blew my mind when the, i first learned yeah about the, the way that we have it set up um is that uh that membership in order to be a part of the program it's it's basically a 20 dollars membership so for the entire school year it's a 20 dollars membership um, summertime, uh, it's $20, but then we have two sessions that are broke out um, mm -hmm. that we've kind of made some adjustments. So it's a $20 membership, and then we do two five-week sessions in the summer. We've changed it a little bit mm -hmm. that are $20. So literally for $60 now for the entire summer, you can be involved, and we have two weeks broken out. One of them is all science and technology. 
So we're talking railroads and Idaho Forest Group and different people and sh showcasing mining and the history of the state of Idaho um, to science and drones and all that kind of stuff. That's for five weeks. And then we go to five weeks to arts and humanities. So we have Emerge coming in and CYT Theater and doing all kinds of things. So for what what an individual pays, the reality of it is it's, all, it's about $300 per year Per child for us uh, to be able to, to provide programs so we charge the parents an absolute fraction right because in a lot of cases it's you know it's either tough for parents to be able to afford the programs or it's just you know a situation that in many cases you know we've we've got a, a massive need and we've got a community that step in a huge way and so if we can help by scholarshiping kids and get kids engaged it's it's a safe haven that's what we're trying to create that's awesome man I'm it's, sure you have tons of good stories about kids. Yeah. I mean, but is there anything that comes to your mind? I know you told us about Daniel, but yeah, um, here locally. Yeah, I mean, there, there's 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 hundreds of different ones, and and I'm starting to get to that age to where it's like, well, I have to think about it. But one of them, <laughs> one of them that uh, you is know, Barbara Walters him. Yeah, <laughs> right. Make him cry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tissues. No, but um, oh, I'm supposed to give a shout out to Ryan and to uh, Gracie, our two staff at, at Coeur d'Alene. Right before I left, they're like. You're going to be on Connor's podcast. Yeah. So shout out. Shout out Ryan and Gracie. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Nicole, too. And, and I better not forget that. Right? My, well, my wife. Uh, my development director, so I feel, yeah, we both <laughs> have to stress how important and special she is. Um, we have a staff that's at the Post Falls Club. Um, her name is Hope. And, yeah, Hope, Hope was a real shy, quiet kid. And um, I'm trying to think. It was Gwen. Gwen Moe at the time was one of our staff. And she walked by and she goes, oh, hey, I like your shoes. And it's funny because then now Hope still, so she's went to college, she's back with us, now doing online classes, is still one of our staff. She talks about, she goes, I like your shoes. That was like the pivotal statement in her life that suddenly she's like, oh, people here care about me. And she started to step out and started to get engaged. Um, it's so much so that, yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. She's like, hey, I'm moving back to the area. And we're like, we've got a spot for you. She is an amazing, she actually, is one of our specialists over in Post Falls that, you know, is working with the kids and the parents and stuff. And she's one that, you know, came all the way up. Um, I've got um, uh, Sadie Schmeling, who grew up in the club as a little Thai current, her sister Mindy. Every year when school is out, winter break, summer break, they're back engaged. DJ Luby is another kid that um, played football for University of Idaho for a couple of years, but he comes back. And, you know, during Christmas break, I, you know, I hear, I feel somebody picked me up and I'm like, oh, it's DJ. <laughs> so it's always interesting when you have those kids that were, you know, sometimes good kids, sometimes not good kids in the club. But, you know, I mean, yeah. they're at the club, they're growing up, they're having fun. And then something happens, the relationships that they've had has caused them to come back and to stay engaged. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like, that's the ultimate, that's, that's the ultimate goal. super cool. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about you know, from growing something so small to where it is now. And you talked about how many kids you guys serve in both clubs every day. Um, just the difference it is for you as a professional going from maybe probably wearing all hats, mm -hmm. doing everything when you first started to being able to, you know, okay, now I have to manage staff. Now I have to manage two clubs and, and just becoming like growing as a leader. Yeah. I think honestly, um, I said in the parking lot, uh, November 20th, 2006, uh, going in uh, the only staff with Boys and Girls Club going into Court Wilcox's office and I remember sitting there it was still dark outside I'm like what am I doing and I'm like oh I'm gonna do everything and I just you know jumped in and attacked it 
as we've grown and we've hired more staff, um, you know, I talk about sitting in the parking lot tonight, I'm going to our staff appreciation party. We're like, you know, we're like 46 or 47 staff now. Um, and so I think the biggest thing I learned is that there is going to be a season where you have to be flexible and you have to put the hours in and you have to do everything. There is going to be a season where you're going to have to learn to hire the right people and trust them and let things go. And that was probably the biggest struggle for me mm -hmm. is by nature being a little bit controlling. But as we've grown is like, okay, you hired this person specifically because they kill it in this area. Let that go. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm not a micromanager. So for me, it's like things are going great. Fantastic. How can I help? What can I do? Um, I think that was the biggest thing is to, to really, in order to really, as you grow and as you add staff, is to not add staff that are just like you. And, and I've had this conversation with people before is that, you know, I find that, okay, administratively, that's a weakness. I need to find somebody that can do that. Mm -hmm. um, from marketing and social media, there is no way that I can touch what I do. We've got somebody that's amazing with that. Finding those areas and hiring people um, that, you know, that do what you can do mm -hmm. um, and then trusting them enough not to be involved in every single thing that sure. they do. So got yeah. it. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's pretty, such a cool story. I mean, just growing it and it's been 13 years now and I th 13, years, 13 yeah. and I'm honestly, I think it's one of, I'm, I'm involved quite a bit, obviously not just because my wife is development director, but through the core group, a group that I'm with, we go there uh, once a month and play a do dodgeball game with the kids. And that's my most, my favorite thing of all time because they just love it. And it, you know, eyes light up and they're ready to play against the core group. And so it's really cool. And then we do, you know, the breakfast with Santa and it's just, you guys, you have an awesome thing going on. So, well, it's cool, especially particularly Connor for you is that I look back and, um, right before I came on board, dad was on the board of directors. Mm -hmm. And when I came on board, then mom was on the board of directors and then watching you get engaged. And then with Nicole coming on board and being a key piece of it and with your kids in the club and with the yeah. sponsorship that they bring, it's like, it's been awesome to watch you guys in one capacity or another really have been involved since day one. So it's, you know, there's a lot of people that make it work and yeah. that's the yeah. kind of the fun stuff. It's community for sure. Absolutely. Well, you want to do some fun stuff, answer some fun questions. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know <laughs> we're going to do karaoke. Or... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Mm, yeah, sure. Connor, hit it. <laughs> you take it, Lex, you take it away. <laughs> no, I'm talking karaoke. Oh, gotcha. Um, I, need so... some, I need a few drinks for that. <laughs> Is that vodka or water? That's a different podcast. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <a laughs> <laughs> Listen to those two. Yeah. All right, so mm -hmm. you already know what's coming. We talked about this. Okay. Okay. Favorite coffee shop? I have to give a shout out to Shane Lowry and the folks at Union. Mm -hmm. um, Shane actually was one of our teen staff for a long time before he went and, and uh, built the Union piece. I know they've got a second location coming up. Yes. Um, not just the coffee, but the waffles. The waffles are Come huge. On. Yeah, they're awesome. And uh, if you haven't had the waffles, you gotta have the waffles. It's okay. pretty serious, but yeah, love uh, love that that group of people. There's so much good coffee in this area I too. Yeah. I found uh, one of my staff suggested the other one is is it White Pine on Fourth? Yeah, real small little coffee. Yep, their dirty chai. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. Seriously, sounds yeah. good. Okay, Midtown. Right, right. Shout out to Midtown. Shout, shout out, out to, to Midtown. Midtown. I gotta shout out Midtown every time. Absolutely, <laughs> repping it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, how about your favorite restaurant? You know what? 
there it's 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 interesting because we have kind of a go-to just because we absolutely love naomi and vine and olive um mm. and it's funny because we're, we're we're members of the wine club there and my wife always has to remind me we'll go have dinner um their pork shank with polenta is amazing but we'll go have dinner and because we're wine club members we'll have a bottle of wine and afterwards i'm like this bill is like nothing and she's like well you're a wine club member remember you <laughs> yeah we paid for we that paid. a month yes. ago you know what it is what it is but no um, absolutely love that yeah it is um and then uh, as far as we just don't do it very often but when you just want to just let it all out you got to make the trip to wolf lodge yeah plus there's they have one of it's kind of like one of the quiet amazing whiskey libraries they've got like pappy and some great yeah but yeah something i didn't know there you go so you mentioned that you were a reader and I would like to know if you could pick a book that mm-hmm. was the most influential book in your life. What would right. it be? Oh, man. That's a tough, that's uh, a really tough one. Um, I, I always go back to Simon Sinek. I love Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Um, really, even with what we do with the club is leading with uh, the impact with the kids and then kind of telling the whole piece. The whole, his book starts with why. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a, a very, very powerful one is... Uh, Leaders Eat Last. Mm-hmm. Both of those books are phenomenal. He's got kind of a, a book my wife got me two Christmases ago that's kind of a little uh, book. It's almost like a little kid's storybook, um, but it has just like little quotes and things like that. Yeah. It's phenomenal as well. And then I'm a massive Malcolm Gladwell fan, um, the David and Goliath, mm-hmm. uh, the outliers. There's, there's just some pieces there that are phenomenal. So when it comes to if I'm going to be like, I really want to be motivated, Simon Sinek and Malcolm Gladwell are the two right. guys. Now, guys. History-wise, Stephen Ambrose and, like, I'm reading a book right now, uh, Nothing Like It in the World, and it's the story of the Transcontinental Railroad. So I love history, too. That's pretty good, too. But, yeah. Very nice. Cool. All right. And if you could pick one thing mm-hmm. or one day to spend in Coeur d'Alene. Yes. If you had friends visiting, mm-hmm. where do you take yeah. them? What do you do? You know, I've thought about this, and I know a lot of people, obviously the lake is a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought is, just because it's kind of where my wife and I are at right now, is we love the outdoors and the hiking piece. I think my piece would be is that we, if we had people come into town, probably take them to Mineral Ridge. So um, beautiful yeah there. because yeah the hike is absolutely easy, gorgeous. easier hike no. yeah yeah but once you get to the top and you can see mm-hmm. and you can look down um, that's a great one that yeah so i would take them to you know take them to a higher level and showcase um that uh yeah the beauty of where we live but there's i mean there's a million places you can go that's that's what makes this place so amazing is the people but also mm-hmm. is that the people that you know live in this kind of a landscape i mean how can you beat it yeah. other than the snow occasionally right. I'm going to throw an audible at you because okay. I just thought about this. I'm okay. going to ask you another question. Omaha. All I, right. I heard you. Are you a sneakerhead? you uh, like your sneakers? I do like my sneakers. What's your favorite sneaker? So my go-to sneaker is the Jordan 3. That's Jordan. my go-to sneaker. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one. That's the one. Matter of fact, Classic. Uh, just the other night, um, I had an excuse to go to an NIC game, so I pulled out the, the uh, raw, True Blue Jordan 3s and threw them on. Nice. And my wife always looks at me like, you're 46. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, go back yeah. to, like, time travel back to your 19th Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's funny because my son has kind of picked that up, too, and I've given him a lot of different pairs of shoes and stuff. And, you know, he goes, oh, what's your first pair of Jordans? That was the blah, white cement 4s and, you know, all those. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Jordans, but... 
I've slowly started to trade it over to my son gotcha. a little bit, but yeah, absolutely. Awesome, Ryan. So in terms of what you got coming up with the Boys and Girls Club and, and events going on, I know this the spring parties come up. Can you talk a little bit about that? And yeah, we can know? We can actually announce we just got our title sponsor, Potlatch Federal Credit Union. Awesome. So P1FCU awesome. just stepped up and are helping us out. And uh, yeah, that's coming up in um, that's coming up in May. It's going to be absolutely uh, another great thing. The biggest thing about Spring Party is is that it's kind of a fun showcase. Our auction, it's like the wedding reception. Yep, Everybody, black tie. Yeah, come yeah. have fun, and it's we're just going to do everything we can to blow it out, and it's always phenomenal. The community has made it such, you know, I don't want to say the but a premier event in the community. Spring Party is kind of the hey let's come let us just say thank you for everything that you did and then we start showcasing what we're getting ready for with summer and the fact of we're going to have thousands of kids coming through here and it's an opportunity we have a couple auction items but it's really more of kind of a, a, a celebratory hey we had a great year in 2019 2020 we're going to try to serve more kids and do more things now's your time to be able to get uh, get in there and help with summer so spring party's obviously coming up but you gotta go to our uh, website and you have to go to our Facebook and check out Egg My House. Um, right. The most amazing development director in the country came to me a couple <laughs> years ago and said, I got this idea and I'm like, what? And she's really been able to build this Egg My House that family members can go online and order eggs and then you can sleep in and not have to worry about it. And yep. it sounds like, I, I'm guessing Easter you've been involved. Comes. Yes. The Easter Bunny, and apparently the Easter Bunny has a lot of fun doing it. Oh yeah. We have a good time. So I You know the Easter Bunny? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. I drive around and so uh, help them. So they're not real eggs, though, right? They're, they're not real eggs. Nope, candy they're eggs. Hit. We just, yeah. you know, you just get, you know, get to wake up in the morning and they're hidden for you. Yeah. So you yeah, that's so cool. So that's been a, a very cool fundraiser and uh, and it, you know, it helps families out and that's the kind of thing is like let's just not set in a box when it comes mm -hmm. to fundraising cuz our budget, we have a 1.2 million dollar budget. And it's mm -hmm. like, okay, if we're constantly just pressing people, give, 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 it's not a lot of fun. Yeah, if we can yeah. do it in fun ways. Have fun with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So keep an eye out for spring party. And yep. even before that, Egg My House, Egg right? Egg My House, Egg yes. My House. Um, check out the website and Boys and Girls Club of Kootenai County Facebook page. Absolutely. Get all that information. Cool. Fantastic. Well, Ryan, Ryan, thanks again, man. Really no. appreciate it. You're doing amazing yeah. things Thank and you. have done amazing things. And uh, yeah, just thanks for being a guest on the show. No, I obviously appreciate the years of support and uh, and being able to uh, to get in front of you guys and share some stories. And yeah, it uh, sometimes it makes me feel old. Sometimes <laughs> it doesn't. No, no. Did you just point at me? No, I'm just saying sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Meaning that you're the youngest. I'm kidding. There you go. I'm just messing with you. All right, man. Well, awesome. we'll see you later. Thank you. <laughs>